welcome to Clotheslines and Headlines 2.0. Take it away, Ryan Gray. North South Connection, welcome to Clothesline and Headlines 2.0. This show has been on quite the hiatus the last five years, but we are bringing it to you here on the No So Network as a kind of reboot. Um, this show was hosted back in the day by Justin with Steve Willie and Nate Milton on the BTN Network. And uh, we're taking my monthly WWE pay-per-view previews and then turning them into a bi-weekly WWE-centric show. In rotation with the You Know What That Means podcast hosted by Jordan and Andrew every other Friday on the No So Network. Every Friday is going to be current day wrestling. So that's a nice little twist we have coming to you here on the No So. But anyways, this show is brought to you by host I, Ryan Gray. I have co-host with me, Mike Rossi. What is going on, man? What's up, my man? So glad to finally get this rolling. We've been talking about it for a little bit, but... um... I'm happy to see your vision come to life here. Yeah, of course. You know, it's not just my vision. This is kind of Justin's idea as we go on hiatus with the Cronoso and the pay-per-view previews have been doing well here and we're getting this show ready and rock and rolling. So my other co-host, Rocco Martone, what's going on, man? Not much. I'm good. Uh, this is 2.0. Do I have to change my name to something like uh, Rocco with three Ks? Well, maybe not three Ks, but you know what I'm saying. No, you just have to get extremely busty for this podcast. Oh. That, that's how 2.0 rolls. It is. It's the uh, TikTok version of women's wrestling. We got it now. Uh, but yeah, I'm excited to be. Thanks for having me. So close lines and headlines, guys. Enough with the haysays. Vince McMahon. Big news today on Vince. What a day to start this with clotheslines and headlines. This is the ultimate headline. Vince McMahon, Mike Rossi, what do we got? So, yeah, I mean, it was like he knew we were going to start recording this thing today, right? Um, so, so, w, so this is all from The Observer. I'm just going to kind of paraphrase it. But WWE's board of directors are investigating a $3 million settlement that Vince McMahon agreed to pay to a former employee who he allegedly had an affair with. Um, according to a Wall Street Journal article, WWE's board of directors have been investigating the settlement since April, and they have recovered other older non-disclosure agreements involving both McMahon and head of talent relations John Laurinaitis that have totaled millions of dollars. The board learned of the $3 million settlement via anonymous emails received from someone identifying themselves as a friend of a former employee. So the first email was sent to the board on March 30th. It alleged that Vince initially hired a woman as a paralegal at $100,000 a year, but later bumped it up to 200000 after McMahon began a, began a sexual relationship with her. The email also alleged, uh, this is actually my favorite line, that McMahon gave her like a toy to Laurinaitis. The settlement, which took place in January of the year, bars the former employee who was hired in 2019 from discussing the relationship with Vince. The former employee moved from WWE's legal department to become an assistant for Laurinaitis in 2021. Um, the email that was sent to WWE's board stated that my friend was so scared, so she quit after Vince McMahon and lawyer Jerry McDevitt paid her millions of dollars to shut up. The non-disclosure agreement, which WWE's board of directors received a copy of on June 12th, provided a upfront payment of $1 million to the former employee, with the remaining $2 million to be distributed over the next five years. 
The report also said that investigators have learned in recent days of other non-disclosure agreements involving McMahon and Laurinaitis. The Wall Street Journal could not confirm how many of those were under investigation. A WWE spokesman in the report said that the company is cooperating fully with the board inquiry and said the relationship with the ex-paralegal was completely consensual. WWE later issued an internal statement to staff after the Wall Street Journal story was published. That stated, the Wall Street Journal has published a report about WWE with allegations that we and our board take seriously. We are cooperating fully with the independent investigation initiated by our board of directors. Jerry McDevitt, McMahon's attorney, told the Wall Street Journal that the employee had made no claims of harassment against McMahon and that WWE did not pay monies to the former employee on her departure. And that's from Brian Rose on The Observer. So, long story short, Vince McMahon had John Laronitis for Secret Santa. Is that what we got here? That's the vibe, yeah. I mean, he had himself a uh, a paralegal that he was fond of and then shared her with uh, Laronitis. All right, so this is obviously coming from an inside job, you would say. So they know they've known about this what you since since WrestleMania time this year about said March yeah all right there's so many angles to go here you have Stephanie you have Triple H you have Shane you have just anything Rocco what what is your vibe on this whole story <laughs> so you're saying like they're you think they were getting out from under what was about to happen um I mean surprise like rich people do nefarious shit and throw money at it until it goes away I'm surprising it took this long right like jesus i'm surprised uh, it got out 2021 it just i guess maybe now that things are so above ground and everything's being looked at you can't just throw money from a a company at random things and not have it investigated when you're a, a big traded company right yeah so i guess the gist of it is they were the board was getting ahead of seeing how much money was actually involved with it and I'm, I doubt it was actually WWE money. I'm sure it was Vince's like personal fund or whatever. Mm. So I don't think that Vince McMahon is will really have any consequences here. But besides, of course, a black eye on the company and a black eye on, you know, being a married man. But that's <laughs> I, that doesn't really come to surprise too much of any of us, <laughs> you know. So it, it, like Mike said, it's very surprising that it kind of took this long to get out. But it sounds like. This has been brewing for a while, and this story is just kind of getting started. You know, an hour before recording this, Raj Geary of Wrestling Inc. tweeted that, you know, another big story has yet to come out. So is that connected to this, or is that a something completely different? You know, who knows? It could be the Oliver Luck thing we can get into a little bit later, which really isn't much. Seems like a settlement, but... Like an Arnold Schwarzenegger-esque love child that we don't know about? A secret (laughs) McMahon? He is this, is where Austin, this is where Austin Theory came in, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Austin Theory is the new toy, no pun intended, for the WWE. <laughs> I mean, it is really gross to have it termed as a toy. Like, it just, I mean, it's no surprise that Vince McMahon treats people like objects and the idea of just saying, I am done with this thing and you can have it now and it's a human being is really fucking gross. Yes. But yes, it, does it, not come as, it does not come as any surprise. My thought on this, too, is like, so the only reason that this is getting sniffed around is because there is a board of directors. Like, how many times in a publicly traded company, I mean, you, when, when you're publicly traded, you can't hide stuff like this. But he might have been able to get away with it how many times over the last 30 years. 
But now there's other people that he has to answer to when he never had to for the first 25 of that 30, you know? There's just so much here to go through. At the, at the end of the day, I don't think – I think Ace is going to be the fall man here, you know, of course. I don't think Vince is going to go anywhere. I think it's his personal fun maybe. So there's nothing like legally that could force him out unless if maybe a family member or family members like shamed him out. And I don't think Vince McMahon has much shame left, you know, just by putting a black eye on Linda and shaming him out of the company. So maybe it could be an angle with that, you know, if you really want to get deep in the weeds and, but I doubt Vince McMahon has any shame. That guy is going to go out on his sword regardless, but I don't know. Dating back a month ago about Stephanie McMahon taking a leave of absence has to be due to this also too, not the MLW nonsense that was reported on a few weeks ago too. You know, I'm sure that was a stain on her reputation or whatever, but that's not why she would take a leave of absence. I'm sure that this story coming out now is why she wanted maybe save face a little bit in the future. And then she, you know, her verbiage was taking, you know, taking time away and then she'll kind of step back into her role once the dust settles in hindsight with her comment. Do you think uh, that sounds accurate? Well, just the idea, like I, I think it was more like getting getting off the boat, like who knows, this could be the tip of the iceberg. You know, this could be a Harvey Weinstein thing. Who fucking knows? It could get crazy. This this is the first thing we know. So, yeah. you know, so, didn't she sell a bunch of shares, too? Uh, yeah, I've been think that I've been I think that's common practice. Oh yeah, because you just kind of make money that way. But yeah, I mean you're getting out of there and uh, it's just gonna blow up. It's uh it's Nick Khan's problem now, like not yours. Like I don't know, it does make sense. The timing is interesting. So let's yeah, play the game. Sorry, but real quick, Ryan, it's one of those things too that it might give other people that he's done this to the courage to come out and tell their story. Um, mm-hmm. depending on how strict those non-disclosures were, to the to the Harvey Feinstein part of that, I mean, you're you're really able to open up the doors to all making other people comfortable with telling this. So this could get really ugly or it could just kind of fizzle out. It all depends on how aggressive people are with it. Uh, claw, skeletons in closets. Uh, let's play the game. Let's, let's play the game real quick. Vince is out. What happens? Nick Khan takes the lead on the uh, business side and then maybe like a triple H takes a creative lead. Is that just an easy thing if Vince is actually out and is that better for the WWE I assume and is it a long play by someone mentioned two seconds ago <laughs> the play. we'll play the game here yeah I mean I think Nick Khan's definitely the next Vince in line anyways um I always was under the assumption it was going to happen whenever WWE sold because you kind of feel like everything that's happened the last couple of years was building towards a sale um, but I think you're dead on with how it would turn out. I mean, Triple H has started working full time again right around Mania. Um, yeah. So it could have been that they were starting to prepare him for a time when Vince might be away from the business. Who knows? Yeah, uh, it's kind of one of those one of those things, you know, it's it's, it's so early in the story. And like you guys alluded to, it could be a quick story or it could be just the start of a mountain of a story. So we'll see anything. You guys got anything else on this before we get going? I'm good. Yeah, I don't. I think we've got it pretty well covered. <laughs> we'll see what happens next time we do this, this show. There might be a lot more to add or there might be nothing. Yeah, but Vince stole the cake with this one right on the first episode. <laughs> All right, so the other story that was then, pretty big here. And then he gave the cake to John Laurinaitis. 
Oh, which we didn't bring up. I wonder how uh, this affects Lauren Edis's marriage with uh, Mrs. Bella. Mm. I don't <laughs> <I laughs> tell you. Maybe the same way it affects. Uh, well, I was going to say, man, is it weird that the WWE creative team three, four weeks ago said Naomi and Sasha Banks handed the women's tag team titles to John Laronitis? <laughs> is there more to that or no? <laughs> Sasha did dye her hair. It's not blue anymore. So maybe she's uh, she's prepared for something herself. Who knows? <laughs> All right, guys, we want to come there. The other story we want to go over here real quick. In about two weeks, John Cena is going to return on the June 27th episode of Monday Night Raw in Laredo, Texas. What do we got coming? What do you guys see coming up for John Cena? I mean, it's got to be theory. I mean, he teased it all on social media. The timing's weird. The go-home show for Money in the Bank. Um, so maybe it's a way for them to maybe do something on the pay-per-view that's not match-related. Uh, maybe like late way to try to get interest in that show by saying Cena will be at Money in the Bank. Um, maybe he costs Theory Money in the Bank itself. Um, I don't know where they're going to go with that. But, I mean, Cena put a video out that was all about Awesome Theory. Um, Theory's been mentioning Cena nonstop um, on his social media. I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire. And in reality, there's no other match that makes more sense right now for Cena then people then the match that people are saying is the next John Cena um in Austin Theory. So um that seems like it's it's clear cut that that'll be the match for SummerSlam. Yeah yeah you would think Theory makes the most sense. Uh maybe some Finn buzz just because when Cena left off Finn saying I got unfinished business Finn just turned heel with the whole judgment day thing. But I, I would put my money in my cards on Theory with that one. But is that a good Rocco? Is that a fun match to you, Austin Theory, or is there a better option in your opinion? Uh, I mean, it's interesting to think if, if like you said, uh, Finn, as I guess, uh, and it would have been interesting if Edge was still in the company. But that's such an old thing that I don't think anyone gives a shit about that. Um, I mean, I'd rather see a Finn Cena match, but uh, I guess in making uh, in being a in being modern day John Cena, you put young guys over, right? And he's seems to be into. And I'm not saying always losing to them. I'm just saying. He's giving him the rub, and uh, why else would he come back? No, He's smart enough to know if he comes back in a major role, he's not going to get the love that he will in a role like this. So, yeah, why not? If they want to make him the next big thing, I don't see Theory as the next big thing, but if they want to make him that, well, have him have him be with John Cena, right? Well, it's an accelerated roadblock up that mountain. You know, I, you, you said you don't see Theory as the next big thing, but I, I, th- I see it. I personally see it. I think they definitely see it. I would say, it, you know, leveling. If the next big thing has to get to 10, I can see, you know, I can see Theory climbing that mountain. I can see him being at like a five right now. And then after a John Cena program, he's at like a seven or an eight or even, you know, eight's high. But I can see him being at a seven and then just slowly starting working up the uh, upper mid card. And then, and then he's there. You don't know he's there until he's there, really. That's how they do things. Yeah, until they, I mean, if they want him to get there, he's going to get there. They Obviously, that's their M.O. I think it would have been cooler if he had been having cool matches. Like, he hasn't really had really cool matches. So, like, if they had proven that he could go, you know, have him, like, have some really competitive, fun matches with, like, a Ricochet, uh, Ali, or someone like that. Because, like, I can't, th- like, you, you're you more of a star rating guy. Like, what's his best match? Probably off the top of my head, a single match on Raw Against AJ Styles, you know, three and three quarters around Elimination Chamber. Um, 
It's a really good match, but it's also AJ Styles. You know, mm-hmm. that's but he's had a handful of good matches. I love the McAfee match at WrestleMania, three and three quarters, too. I had it. But, you know, for a kid, he's pretty fucking good. You know what I mean? He's he's shown range in NXT. He's shown range in the mid roster. Even for like a Brock Lesnar to come up and be like, yeah, I like this kid. I'll work a program with him, a mini program with him. I'll have fun inside Helm of the Cell with him. He'll be that MSG mystery partner, guys. Those small things build credibility within him and he just has like the mold you know he i he reminds me of a young randy orton but like he looks like a young john cena so i i dig it dude i'm into him i think he's gonna be it and i think he's kind of can't miss but i think he definitely i can see where you're saying with your in-ring concerns but i think there's a resume there i don't i'm not saying i don't think he's good i'm just saying like you weren't you're not no one's going man i love seeing this guy's matches even though he's like a, a heel or anything like he doesn't have that buzz about him as like a real cool match guy at this point at least for me uh that's that's what I'm. The, the thing with theory too is i feel like theory's at a spot where cena can actually beat him and it doesn't hurt theory theory would just be elevated by being in a match with cena um and then that could be a good good um, way to kind of platoon cena over to maybe another match at like the london show where maybe he puts over another name um, or something along those lines. I don't see Theory beating Cena. He doesn't have to. Just being in Cena's presence is going to be enough to kind of put him in that next gear. And then you can come back to Theory Cena maybe a year or two down the road when he actually does beat him, you know? Yeah, my whole thing is Cena kind of needs to win a few things because he really hasn't won in a long time. I think Elias might have been his last victory. He he put over Bray Wyatt. He put over Roman Reigns. You know, he he just comes in and does jobs, which is cool. He's John Cena. He's never going to lose his box office. He's never going to lose his star power. And he's a fucking stud. But still, it would be nice to see him in a program once in a while. Yeah, if you just come back to lose to the the young guys all the time that it was it's guy. all right so that's it for we got for news vince mcmahon and john cena heavy in the news let's guys let's bring in mike eller to give us a wwe tv report Thanks for having me on the show. Uh, TV's been pretty solid the last couple weeks, in my opinion, and definitely excited to go over with you. Yeah, Eller. So um, you're going to bring us a Raw in a SmackDown report for the last, what, just to kind of catch us up on the storylines leading. We're about three, four weeks outside of Money in the Bank. We're about a week out of Hell in the Cell. So where are we sitting on the SmackDown side of TV? For sure, for sure. I want to give like a breakdown. Um, again, things are developing here, and I wanted on the SmackDown side. I wanted to start with what's going on with the women right now. Uh, with Ronda Rousey being the women's champion, she had the awesome match with Charlotte at uh, WrestleMania Backlash. wasn't on the last pay per view, and we, you know, we we know what we. It's been talked about at length with what happened with. Sasha and Naomi, they're no, they're not on the roster right now. We don't know if they're coming back or when they're coming back. So I feel like there's, like I feel like there's talent there uh, with for potential challengers for Ronda, but I, I don't know what if really they're all that developed right now. Like Shotzi, she seems okay. She was really cool in NXT. Aaliyah, not so sure about Raquel Rodriguez. She's great. I like. I mean. She's she was great as a champion in NXT, 
and I think there's a lot of room for her to grow on SmackDown, but I just don't know if like we're like there yet where she's going to be considered a viable challenger to Rousey. You know, she had the TV matches and whatnot, but like a pay-per-view match. And now next at Money in the Bank, we're going to be getting a Rousey Natalia match, which would love for input on this because like Natalia and like the whole story of line when Rousey joined WWE was Natalia was the one who trained her. I, I know, like you said, we have about three weeks to get to the the match. So we have a couple more weeks of TV to build this, but I don't, we haven't really gotten much of the trainee trainer type of thing going on right now. And I, I, Rocco, if you want to add anything, I think that like Natalia is just not a credible challenger at this point. All right. So uh, yeah, Rocco, what do you think about Natalia challenging Rousey for the title? It is uninspired, to say the least. Um, I always say that Natalia's – I don't always say it, but I'm saying it now. Natalia's kind of like the big show where she's good or bad no matter how they need her to be. And this run of Ronda is also – like it's been uninspired. I think she just doesn't have the crew – when she was – her first year, you know, the Riot Squad did so much for her because every week they were fighting her. And she had a Sasha match. She had a Nia match. And a lot of these people aren't even on the, the company anymore. So like you said, she she had a match with Shotzi, but it doesn't really compare to the cool matches she was having. So it, Natalia is just, like you said, no one's taking it seriously. There's not a chance she's going to win. Maybe they're going to get personal. I know they had the injury angle and they were supposed to be friends and stuff like that. But yeah, it, it just it's just uninspired. And I am not invested in thinking that Natalia has a chance in it. Yeah, I agree with basically everything you said there. You think we're basically just kind of kicking our tires until Charlotte returns and probably for SummerSlam? Seems like a stopgap, right? Yeah, it's just kind of giving her something to do and uh, not really giving her, not really giving the rub to a Shotzi. Like, she not really giving, like, people got, not legitimized since, but hanging with Ronda meant something and no one's even really doing it. So you're not even really giving a Shotzi a rub in her matches against her on these uh, well-worked people. So, yeah, um, looks like we're just waiting for a bigger show to put her on. Yeah, agreed, yeah. agreed for sure. Let me jump um, in here. I don't know. I don't I don't get this. Um, it's Obviously, it's a Band-Aid still after the Sasha and Naomi stuff. Um, Sasha would feel much bigger going into this, but obviously she didn't want to do business and whatever. So we're here. In-ring-wise, Natalia's probably the best one for her. Shayna's box office just because of the friendship, so they want to probably save her for the fall, late summer. And um, it should be a good match. It's interesting that they kind of made it for an angle to work so it could become a good match, giving her a bad lamb, making you know making fun of the sharpshooter, which was kind of a low-key dig at AEW doing shitty sharpshooters in a way for, the whole, <laughs> for a whole weekend. So I kind of found that funny as an underlining thing. But it's kind of making chicken salad out of chicken soup. But my whole thing is with Ronda. She, doesn't, she seems like she's at work. She doesn't seem like she's having fun. She doesn't seem like she wants to be there. She just seems like she's going through the motions and that she, it's a paycheck. Just a fine match and a good match is one thing, but last, her previous run, every match seemed important. Yes. And now she's having mm-hmm. unimportant matches for the first time in her career. So That was also fresh. This is also kind of like, yeah, okay, you, how many zeros are you going to throw at me? I'll finally come back. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, real quick. So, I mean, the two names that we haven't mentioned yet, um, Shayna, I feel like that's a program that 
we could get to at some point that Rhonda would be excited about and would probably give her all to. I'm not saying she isn't now, but to like what, what Rocco was just saying, she does this. She kind of seems like she's just there. Um, but I feel like a Shayna program, something they kind of tease in the rumble a little bit, and then they can come back to that now. Um, you know, that could be a big enough match to do it. One of the bigger shows coming up. I mean, they've, she's got to wrestle at the stadium shows too. Um, and then secondarily, what about Bailey? What if she creeps back into this story? Um, she becomes the big challenger for her later in the summer. It just feels like it's on ice, really, with Ron with Ronda, and it needs some work. And I think a lot of it's kind of her and her attitude. Yeah, and if your yeah. big match for her is a rematch that we've seen a few times, then you're not doing a good job with her. If that's the big thing that we're waiting for, is her to fight Charlotte again. Oh, that's dead. Come on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that better be dead. All right, Eller, what else we got going on on SmackDown? Well, something uh, I don't think I don't think this guy is going to be a stopgap champion. And something that I was really excited about from last week is Gunther, uh, Gunther, Gunther, finally becoming the Intercontinental Champion. He beat Ricochet pretty handedly. It was a good match. It wasn't very it wasn't a very long match, but, you know, they they had a lot of good offense. Uh, A lot of ricochet looked really good, sold really well. And why I'm excited about this is, you know, Reigns isn't probably going to be on SmackDown every week and to have a champion like Gunther, like who can have a lot of who obviously is going to always have really good to great matches the dude has gotten into absolutely phenomenal shape. He looks great. He's going to be, you know, so the whole complaint previously was like, oh, this guy, you know, he doesn't have a good body, so they're never going to push him. Well, I mean, that's out the door now. So um, that he's got that going for him. And I, I like the opportunity for the challenges he could face. Um, I think both guys from the New Day, uh, you know, obviously not Big E, but Kofi and Xavier. I think you could throw Moss in there. Um, I think Nakamura can you you could have a feud there with Gunther and at one at some point if Drew's not in the title picture I think it would even be an okay thing to have for those two to have a feud at, at some point. So my concern has been with Reigns being gone what do you do with like how do you how do you book your other title how do you book your other titles and with ricochet as the the other title holder i didn't really love that as much but with gunther i think you have a much more solid foundation and you know that working champion that we always associate with the intercontinental title and you know during its glory days yeah well those glory days are dead it's a prop (laughs) it was was like yeah ricochet you do good work hold it for a little while uh you mentioned some good names i i assume that the new day is probably going to be the first opponents easy transition there they're kind of coming out of the fight night feud or the brawling brutes or whatever they're going to be called uh change uh i got two wild cards because everything you said is probably accurate i got two cool wild cards uh turning sheamus face and having sheamus going after that fucking intercontinental belt and then walt or gunther versus sheamus just screams orgasm all over it (laughs) on the same wavelength Cena he does mm. his theory business and then he's never he's never been the intercontinental champion so and he wants a crack at it so that would be a really cool match too those are my kind of wild cards when you know I saw you want to present um contenders for Gunther because there are none really so 
turning Sheamus and then kind of doing that little Imperium feud versus the the Fight Night guys, and then maybe Cena as a long shot in the late summer would be kind of up my alley, and I think I think that would be up at Cena's alley too. And I'd do a lot for both would do a lot for Gunter. And then, like you mentioned, I didn't think of Drew just because I think he would be occupied with Reigns, but that would be really cool too. And then you could also turn that into a Walter, or I'm sorry, Gunther and uh, Butch match. Uh, two guys that, that got the, the new names and kind of harping back to the old NXT UK days. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. That'd be cool, too. Just keep Madcap away from him until Madcap's <laughs> ready to win it. I, I, you, when you mentioned NXT, and I think of this, the match, the Gunther, Gunther, uh, Rick, God, they're going to fuck me up. Uh, the Ricochet match, it's like, I'm, if you picture that match like two years ago in NXT, and that would have been an epic like 20-minute battle. And I got real excited when I saw it was happening, but it was kind of like when uh, – like when William Regal and Daniel Bryan had that like raw match, and I was like, this is going to be the best match ever. And it was like a four minute kind of like match. That was cool, but it just seemed like this match could have been an epic thing in the right way if they had done it the right way. And that's not what they want to do with it. They wanted him to get kind of a little squashy, but like, oof, I mean, Ricochet Gunther in a match, you know, like a nice epic, could have been pretty fucking sweet, but they wasn't. It was fine, yeah. but it, it wasn't was a like. Takeover for sure, but I, I, uh, they're not in that business anymore right now. Yeah, now it's, it's a TV match, and that's what they wanted. But that match could have that's, – that's something there that I would have liked to have seen, you know, in a different environment. So my question to you guys real quick is, could they really elevate this belt up to kind of hold weight while Reigns is floating as like a 5%er on TV for the summer or whatever? Can they really get it there, or is it just totally dead in the water like I presumed it to be? I think it can. I don't think – look, I don't think it's Savage. I don't think it's like even, you know, Razor Moan, but – I think that I think that they can with a good working champion. Um, as long as they, they can rehab the title, as long as they presented it seriously, like the tag titles were a complete joke for who knows how long. And now, you know, with the Usos and the New Day, I mean, if you have the right champions, I think that the, it can it can work. Yeah. Uh, when's, when's the last time it was like Ziggler Rollins that like match that kind of got shit on? Was that kind of the last time it was kind of treated like a big deal, or is that? Yeah, Rollins is yeah. run in 2018. I would say was was the last time the IC title was presented as a, as the workers' title, and before that, I couldn't tell you. You know, it was really just fodder for like Bray Wyatt or for ba- Bray Wade Barrett and like Ziggler and Miz to mess around with. Yeah, Miz in 16 Axel. was pretty interesting too. So. Mid Ziggler in sixteen, yeah, they had a good feud. Yeah, I think the um, I think the ultimate move for this title though is with Reigns gone, kind of like what you were saying, have the title get defended on on SmackDown a lot. It could be kind of a way to get the viewer in with like cool matches, like thinking like him and Kofi or or him and Wood, stuff like that will get you know generate some interest. Uh, but then the big thing that they really should do with him is give him kind of a more high profile match in the show in the UK. Because he'll be over as hell at that show. And that could be kind of what ele- really elevates him to that real next level. And then maybe you can start talking about him starting to sniff around the world title picture as well. Obviously, once they kind of get it out of the the hands of the, the Roman god, you know? Oh, yeah. God mode still. All right. Speaking of god mode, Eller, big match this weekend. What do we got? We have... Finally, um, with something that we thought might happen on a pay-per-view or might be happening in a couple weeks at Money in the Bank, but we're getting it a couple weeks early, Roman Reigns versus Matt Riddle for the Undisputed World Heavyweight Championship. I think I got that right, Um, however they're branding it right now. Sure. (laughs) And we got, uh, last week, in uh, in order for Riddle to get the match, he had to beat Sami Zayn. 
and um, he, he ended up being successful on that. And Paul Heyman was on commentary and basically, you know, implied if you're not, if you don't win this match, you're not in the bloodline. Um, I don't know if he would have even gotten it in had Sammy won the match, but, um, you know, giving him this false sense of hope. And they had an okay match. Um, and then, I mean, I, you know, they were on Raw last week, and we'll get into that a little bit. But I guess we can kind of tie it all in together. Um, the stipulation for this match is that if Riddle doesn't win, um, he can never challenge Roman Reigns for the World Heavyweight Championship again, um, which is good. You know, it's not the stupid he can never challenge for the title ever again. It's just while Reigns is champion. And I don't I guess I've gone a bunch of different ways of how this can go. I don't see Riddle obviously winning the world title, but um, does Reigns win clean on Friday night or does something screwy happen? Does Sami Zayn get involved? Is there some sort of disqualification? And then they run the match back again. Uh, hopefully. Um, I I really like Riddle. I really like Sammy. So, and obviously Reigns is a top notch at, at his game right now, but these shows feel like they're missing the title, you know? So if I think if they were, go, if they were looking ahead and they saw that we weren't going to have a title defense since WrestleMania 34, they wouldn't have combined them. So that feels like an epic fail since then, especially on raw. And now, especially with Cody gone, Cody was filling so much void there. We'll get into that later, but I feel like they need these titles. And is the time right now to put the title on riddle? No, it's, it's really not especially with Orton lurking and Orton Riddle just being a, a catalyst to kind of get to Orton. If you, you know, you can see through the weeds or whatever. And then Sammy is just the vehicle to kind of get the wonky and the zaniness. So, so my, my, my sorts, my insights say that the, uh, that Sammy is dying his hair and he's going to show up as Roman Reigns this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and that's their way out. <laughs> Would that be? But anyways, um, but real quick, Sami Zayn, he's just a guy that just keeps creeping and creeping and creeping and gaining and gaining credibility. You know, I talk about this levels of 10, right? He was at like a two for like a while coming just no man's land, just a jobber to the mid card heel, shit heel. And then the pandemic hits and he starts like shittily winning stuff and that and then he starts having wrestlemania matches and then always having celebrity wrestlemania matches and then he's just being endearing and his character work is so strong and this whole time he's just a mid-card shitbag leeching heel and the end game of this really could be that baby face potential that he has and i'm not saying that this is a catalyst to it but you can see the workings of it if you backtrack when it finally happens, low key, he could be a guy. I'm not saying that beats Roman, but that challenges Roman. And, and in three years, in what? In the Thanksgiving time, he won that battle royal and lost to Roman in a second. But then the next week, he's having that stellar promo with Brock Lesnar, and it's forgotten about. So just to see him climb up and creep up, and just to have him be a possibility. Uh, maybe we'll get into who's winning Money in the Bank later, but I would put his name out there. So I don't know. He's just his character work has got him in a lane to be something where he was completely dead. Yeah, who'd have thought that like Johnny Knoxville would kick him up to the next uh, stratus of uh, <laughs> strata of uh, wrestler? I love yeah. the idea of Sammy versus uh, Riddle 
they get a great match. Hopefully Sammy could kick him in his mouth, breathing mouth and make him shut his mouth a little bit. Um, but yeah, man, I like that idea of, Sa- of Sammy turning the good. This character doesn't have to be changed that much to, to become a face, you know, because no. he could be that kind of goof or antagonistic kind of dude. But just, you know, he just tweaked a little and then the the uh, the old school Sammy uh, can appear. And it's been a long time. <laughs> it's been so long. Him winning Money in the Bank would give Roman security and get him in the bloodline again by security of I'm not going to cash this in on you, Roman. I promise. Let me back in the bloodline. You can watch the Money in the Bank just by him getting in the bloodline. Money, him winning Money in the Bank gets him in the bloodline, which ultimately gets him closer to Roman. Kind of like a little Caesar action, you know, Julius Caesar, fucking Greek god ethic backstabbing action right there. Sami Zayn, that's his lane right there. And they give those great things that they do so well with maybe Roman's beat down. They cut to Sammy. He looks at the briefcase. Roman looks at him. He's like, no, 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 I wasn't doing that. You know, like a I got you back. Helps him up. Yeah. Yeah, Subtle little teases, you know, it could be something, man. And he's so good with the character work and he's so good with everything. But exactly. We're we're previewing Roman Reigns versus Matt Riddle. Roman's Reigns first title offense since WrestleMania. We talked five minutes about Sami Zayn. Enough said about (laughs) Sami Zayn. But that is exactly where he is at. He's a fucking stud. But anyways, Riddle. Riddle's been really good in this babyface role. That promo he had on Raw, I don't know, after, after Orton got, after they lost the tag titles, they pro- promoted the whole, what, fifth of the sh- first half hour of the show to him. And he delivered. That promo was a real babyface promo. He delivered it. He he showed, like, different gears and different levels. And that's going to be make him trustworthy and make him the brasses really want to go with him is his tie right now no but he is working up the card and he could really be a, a main eventer w- within this company within a year honestly what a surprise when you give guys a dimension other than he's a stoner goofball he can be really cool and become a credible wrestler what a, what a surprise yeah but that got him here you know whatever i'm not mad at it he's showing a ton of fire that, yeah, that's that you said he never really showed before and i don't know we care the fans care about him i mean he's over uh there's no reason not to push him as being a stoner goofball yourself mike rossi what do you have to say about riddle (laughs) Uh, so i mean ever since riddle came to wwe i've always been scared of what they would do with him, and i've constantly just been shocked by the fact that he's the same fucking guy that he was in the indies um, obviously his matches are a little bit scaled back and he works at WWE style, but he was himself in the Indies and he's the same Matt Riddle now. Um, and seeing that fire side of him also excites me the day that they do flip from heel because Ryan, you can attest his heel runs in the Indies were awesome. He was just a, a awesome cocky heel. Um, I mean, I love Riddle. I can't wait to see what they do with him. I'm so excited about this match just to see how he looks in this spot. Um, is he going to look like a guy that doesn't belong or is he going to actually be treated to a level that, you know, he really could be someone that is in that upper tier title picture in the months and years to come? With the right crowd, you know, they, they with them two standing in the middle of the ring, taking a moment with the right crowd, like it could really seem electric on a Friday when they, if they just give it a moment and see how the crowd reacts to the two of them. I think it could be a really cool moment. Yeah, the match really should make Riddle, honestly. It could be a curveball too. I'm I'm not I would not be surprised if it was. 
All right, Eller, is that all we got for the SmackDown side of things? That's all. We didn't get Max Dupree last week. Well, that's not till next week. So, yeah, I think that covers everything for SmackDown. For the record, Max Dupree is right up my alley, guys. And mm-hmm. I didn't have to say it. I didn't have to say anything. You already knew that. So, mm-hmm. let me throw in something real quick on Max Dupree. So, last week he was supposed to be on SmackDown and he wasn't. And then Max, he... Dude. And then he posted on Twitter that he was in Europe taking care of some business. Ooh, now, Swiss Swiss business. There could be some Swiss business that he was taking care of when he was over in Europe. Um, so I'm not saying that that that's definitely going to happen, but that's what I put together when I saw that on Twitter. That would be very cool. Hell of a spot for him, I think. That would make Cesaro have more managers than anyone in the modern day of of pro wrestling. That'll be like what four managers he's had since he's uh, debuted. Nothing's gonna beat Oksana. Yeah. Well. <laughs> All right. Let's hit NXT 2.0 real quick. Rossi, what do you think of Roxanne? And what do you think of Cora Jade? Roxanne won the future breakout tournament. Where are we going here with those? Two Hogan guys? and Savage, man. Hogan and Savage. These two are the future of the WWE Women's Division. Um, do I think that Cora Jade's 100% ready in ring yet? No. Do I think that she's improving pretty rapidly right now? Yes. Um, the way that they're the Natty match was really where I first saw it. Um, yeah, that was very good. And I mean, so what we were talking about with Natty, it's Natty. Like she's never really exciting. But the way that Cora played that underneath babyface in that role, I thought she was awesome. And here's the deal: I know Cora Jade from her indie run. She was a heel then, and she was a good one. Um, yeah. The babyface stuff was stuff I didn't really think that she was going to be good at. But she's killing it. She's got that like page feel to her that like when pay, when NXT first started back in the day. Um, and I'm not saying that like in like the young aspect, but she just kind of has that feel like she's a decent enough wrestler. She's got a cool character. She's someone that the crowd emanates with. And then you bring Roxanne in. Now, Roxanne, obviously the Roxy when she was in ROH and all that, she's a hell of a wrestler. She's small. She's yeah, she's 100% ready. She's small, but a lot of women on that main roster are small now. I mean, Sasha Banks has been on top for how long? Um, she's probably as small as they get. Um, so I'm excited to see how they work together as a team because obviously they're putting them together with Indy and that little mini stable. Um, ultimately, one of them is going to turn on the other, and then they can have a big money feud over whatever, whoever decides to dethrone Mandy. Um, but those two you see growing every week and I really see the future in them is so bright, but they're going to always be linked together based on not only being grouped now, but just their age and their placement in NXT where it stands today. Yeah. Like 20 and 19. It's crazy. If they're the uh, Hogan uh, Savage, then uh, Casey Cothanzaro Katana blade is going to be the ultimate warrior and surpass them all. And here's the deal too. Yeah. Katanz- Katanzaro is entertaining too, but, Tiffany Stratton, it's not like she sucks. Think of where she's been or where she's grown in the last three or four months. Um, her first couple of matches, she stunk, but every match she's getting better. Um, and yep. she's another one that's like 22, 23. So they're, I mean, they might not be in, be doing the best to get the guys prepared for the main roster with some of these goofball gimmicks they give them. But Tiffany Stratton's turning a goofball gimmick into something that's working. Um, so I'm excited to see where they go with her too. And I mean, they're building these women up down there and they're all going to impact down the road. It doesn't take much to impact on the main roster as a woman. Um, you're given the opportunity and you run, run with the ball and you're going to be fine. Um, it just, it's easy also to fall between the cracks once you get up there. That's the thing. 
the transition is is rough. <laughs> you know, look at Shotzi right now. You know, she Mike, Mike Mike just mentioned she was a rock star in NXT, and then she comes up, and then it's like, ah, we need to heal. She's versatile, and then she fell in the cracks. You know. Yeah, but she's they're young. These kids are young enough that they're gonna be able to grow together. Um, you know, especially with the house show loops now, it's yep. gonna help people like your last legends who suck, but they need ring time. You know, and. Uh, you know, work with these girls when you're on those those uh, house loops and you're going to be in good shape. But these girls can stay in NXT for four years and they still hit the main roster younger than most women do. So they've got plenty of opportunity that they yes, they might fuck up, but they have a good opportunity in front of them for them not to. So that's the women's side of things. Then on the men's side of things, we have two appealing challengers after really not having many for the last month or so for Breaker. We had Apollo Crews show up, and they have a little buddy cop going on real quick, which is which is cool. And then Cameron Grimes comes out, leaning more as a tweener, and they're going to have a match at the Great American Bash. So, honestly, Cameron Grimes is, on paper, the best matchup for Braun Breaker right now. Total Dolph Ziggler vibes right there for in-ring work. That should be a rock star match in the near future. I agree. And for a TV match, he made the most sense because, you know, he's not probably on that like takeover or whatever they call them now level um, for a main event. But more people probably are watching the TV weekly than are watching takeovers anyways. So why not put him in a match that's a work rate, make him look good, similar to how they did when he won the title back on Raw. It was just to get more eyes in front of him. Um, and then as you move down the road, I mean, I really think his best feud will be whenever they decide to go with Carmelo. Um, but now that he's got the, the NA title again, it looks like they'll be kind of keeping them apart for a while. Um, but, you know, Tony D'Angelo is not really being pushed at that level. And now, you know, he's doing the gang war stuff. Um, Escobar is not really pushed at that level. So short of heating up like Vaughn Wagner or something, it's going to have to be kind of those North American title types, you know, maybe solo at some point, things like that. Yeah. Honestly, there it's not NXT of old, but they have found a groove. The Gacy stuff was rough. There wasn't much depth, but I don't know. It's, it's caught its foot and Apollo throwing Apollo Cruz right in the middle of that. in the upper mid card is going to be cool real quick on Apollo Cruz. Did you happen to see those diner scenes last night? That was a little weird, but Hey, Whatever. He's got to have this, like, hit hitman vibe to him. It's better than the Nigerian prince. And we, we, we still have Aziz that's going to debut down there, too. So he's back at NXT as well. He got moved on the internal roster. They just haven't used him yet. So I don't know if they use him to, like, you know, turn turn Apollo heel again at some point down the road. But um, he is sense. part of that roster. So, you know, put him with that with that Indian guy. What's his name down there? I can never remember it. Oh, There's that's too my many guy. Of them. Sanga. Sanger. So Sanger and Aziz, man, that's printed money. Oh, there you go. Twin Towers 2.0. No pun intended. All right, that's enough for that's enough for NXT 2.0. Well, we get our boy Logan Logan Crossland on here. He'll he'll catch us up to date on 2.0 all day. Eller, what do we got on the Raw side of things? All right. So Raw was it had some highs. It had some like what the hells, in my opinion. Um, I think the best part of it was a really good. I I don't know if it was great, but it was. Pretty pretty damn good. Uh, Seth Rollins and AJ Styles for the Money in the Bank qualifying match. Um, Rollins won, and he ended up qualifying for the Money in the Bank. Um, that I believe he, he's the only one that qualified uh, for the on that night. So we still have a, quite a few people to go. But I know you had mentioned that 
you liked Zane as the potential Money in the Bank winner. I think if I had to pick somebody from Raw, I'm probably picking Rollins to win. Yeah, especially, you know, with Cody kind of falling out of it. I I think Cody was the pick 100%. But with Cody falling out, Rollins needed, you know, they, he's already a top star. He just falls into the Rhodes place in a way. You know, and they were saving, they protecting him in the Rumble match against Roman for a future shot, too. So that Rollins wouldn't be a bad way to kind of separate the belts off Roman again. Because ultimately, I think that should be the end goal, is to get ununify the belts and get Raw their belt back and have SmackDown have their own belt, even if it stays on Roman. And just like we talked about with the IC, the IC can hold the weight on SmackDown. Raw needs his world championship, especially with Cody gone. Continue. Or... Or you could always have Rollins win that Money in the Bank, keep it until Rumble-ish time frame. Um, Cody comes back. Now Cody's got even more reason to hate Rollins because Rollins not only knocked him out, but Rollins took the briefcase that he was looking for. And then you're going to have a big show in Saudi probably in February again. What if Rollins puts that Money in the Bank on the line against um, Cody? And that's how we get the belt on or the briefcase on Cody as you originally planned because here's the deal when Cody comes back no one's going to be harder than him so that might be the time to do something like that backup plan for the rumble or episode uh, 18 when we get that far if we make it if we're not canceled by then (laughs) (laughs) so um I still think I don't know maybe I could still get styles in this match I'd love to you know have him in there obviously because he's he's obviously a great wrestler um, there's still more to get there. We still have a lot more to go to get with the money in the bank. Um, on the women's side of the money in the bank, we've got Lacey Evans qualified on the SmackDown side. Um, Alexa Bliss qualified, uh, with, along with Liv Morgan, which, you know, obviously that makes a ton of sense. I don't believe Alexa Bliss is lost and she's been back for about six weeks now. So she hasn't lost and they've really done a good job of kind of, you know, making Liv Morgan matter, you know, being around Finn and AJ for a month, month and a half, um, did her one, you know, I wouldn't, maybe not wonders, but it did well for, um, so those are two people I think that definitely were, deserve to be in there over Dewdrop and Nikki A.S.H., who I think, Nikki A.S.H., I think they need to look to retool because that's, I think, dead. Um, so we still, have, we still have some time to develop both of those matches. Um, anything anybody wanted to add on the Money in the Bank things, or are we kind of holding off on that? Yeah, do we know if we're getting eight, seven, six? How many competitors we get? I think last year was seven, and then I think the graphic I saw eight, and they always change it up. Does anyone know? I have no idea. I would go by the graphic if it's eight, but I mean, they, you know, next week it could be seven again. So yeah, I, they probably. I think that when it looks at the graphic, they just had the girls kind of like bigger, like you know, and then they'll get smaller as more girls get added. Um, so they could, they probably haven't decided yet. Let's be honest. All right. They're saying eight. They're saying I, eight on Wikipedia. I really like what you said, Mike, about like Liv being elevated by being around Finn and the, that whole kind of scene, because it's really cool to see a non-romantic angle for a female wrestler to be associated with dudes, and it kicked her up a notch. You know what I mean? It wasn't. It's a very rare thing to do when they do that. So I thought that was really cool, and I thought that was a really cool point. And uh, Team Blondage is definitely, I don't know if they're going to try to do tags with those two. I think that would be sweet um, since they don't really have any tag teams. But adding those two in a money in a bank, uh, you know, definitely adds. Uh, Wiv is always good to take a pretty sick bump. And uh, I'm excited that she's going to be in that match. Yeah, I sure. could definitely see uh, Liv and Alexa taking the belts off Vince's 
Johnny Ace's desks. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Hot tub match. Um, did want to add next week on Raw um, to qualify, we do get a Be- Becky versus Asuka uh, to qualify. So that's that's another potential candidate. Or you know, that should be a good match too. Um, I think I think this is Becky's money in the bank to lose. It makes the most sense to put the belt on her, and it it she needs something. And I think money in the bank would be a nice feather in her cap to get. Yeah, I definitely agree. I, I that's but that was my pick going into it. Um, I don't know, Rocker Mike. Do you guys have any idea who who you think would win? Well, Rocker's I'd gonna s- live. Yeah, I'd say oh. Becky. <laughs> I'd say Becky's got to be the favorite, but I don't rule out Lacey Evans either. Um, as I feel like they've been trying to figure out something to do with her, but they just can never quite figure it out. And that could be their way of saying, well, she's got the money in the bank now, so now we've got to figure it out. Like, that's a WWE move for sure. Yeah, honestly, real quick to that, Ronda losing the belt in a money in the bank situation wouldn't be the worst thing for her. You know, maybe Mm. catch a little edge for her, catch a little chase for her, you know, get add a little depth to the women's roster on SmackDown. So that ain't a bad idea either. And Lacey wouldn't be a bad component for that, I guess. I'm, I'm not really a big Lacey Evans guy, but like she keeps, like you said, Rossi, finding something for her and she's constantly moving rosters, which I low-key thinks is, thinks is a troll job, but I low-key also think that they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, her as a her character with uh, something that makes her seem better than everyone else fits her character. You know, she's got the, the briefcase. She's better than all the other women. And uh, it's something. <laughs> it's something. We do. just want something. Yes. All right, Eller, what else we got going on on the Raw side of things, buddy? All right, so we had an exclusive sit-down interview with Bianca Belair on Monday. Um, you know, she went over accomplishments, and, uh, you know, she's been – I think she's been a great – I think she's been a much better champion than – I've enjoyed her work more than Rousey. And um, so I think she's been doing a good job there. And then we – on the Titantron, we get the new Judgment Day – um, with Rhea and then along with Finn and Damian Priest, um, Ripley and or Priest mentioned that just to kind of tie in these two things together, Priest mentioned that they're equals now. So the idea of Finn being the leader is not the case. I think that they didn't know what to really do with this one quite yet. So that's why they kind of just had, they didn't even have him out there in front of the crowd. I really really hope that they're not doing any supernatural shit like I you know after the Bray Wyatt fiasco I really hope that they're staying away from that um but I wanted to add Rhea did a really good job with her promo you know adding that Blair needs to kind of hype her all of her accomplishments where Rhea just does lets her work do the talking so I thought that was really good and you know these two have been tied together for going on three three-ish years now back to NXT so this feud should be, you know, I think, again, this is a Rhea and Bianca is miles better than Ronda and Natalia on the Raw side. I, I agree. I mean, that's a match I'm definitely looking forward to. They've done it before. Uh, There's a bigger stage. Um, I think it's the first time that Bianca will be a face, though, right? And uh, Rhea, Rhea will be the heel, which is interesting. And uh, a Judgment Day versus Street Profits Bianca match is a pretty fun six-person uh, tag. So, yeah, definitely looking that's forward to this point. match. Yeah, it's a cool Raw main event or something. But, um... Is it too early to see Belair losing to Rhea? Or could they play a little hot potato with this belt? Or is it – it kind of feels a little early to kind of have this match because I wouldn't mind seeing Rhea win. What say you, Eller? I – that was something I was thinking about. I don't 
I have the same feeling. Like I want Ripley to eventually be the champion. I uh, she she's really good in this role, but uh, Bianca just was chasing it for forever, and I, she chased for eight months, and then for her to lose it, you know, after three yeah. months would just be too quick. Um, I you could always have, I, you know, I don't want to look. Too, I know, you know, not looking too far ahead. I think it would be okay to have Belair win or something screwy happen. Rhea win at SummerSlam and then maybe have you know Belair take it back at Survivor Series or sometime later in the fall um, or maybe the winter, something like that. A little hot potato with the belt wouldn't be a bad thing. They they don't really do that anymore, so it would it wouldn't be a bad thing. Add a little juice to that feud, and they're also two young young girls that are going to meet it in the future too. So I wouldn't mind a little back and forth with them in title swapping. But uh, what else we got going on, on the Raw side? Speaking of Judgment Day, so you mentioned that they're equals. They 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 said that in that preview, correct? Yeah, they're like thing. Priest was basically like, you know, Edge was saying like we should be whatever we want, but then he's going against that, going against all of that, and he's basically telling them what to do. Um, I, so Finn is, I don't know, like Rio's front and center. I mean, I get it was her promo, but I, from what I'm gathering, Finn isn't going to be like the, the head of this. Like he didn't usurp Edge's power. They're all on the same page. Yeah, it was, that was a cute transition. You know, if, believe it or not, if they did it that day or believe it, if not, if they want to do the supernatural things, I guess we'll find out if they go the supernatural route, if that story had any juice to it. But I kind of hope they don't, like you mentioned. It, like, they did it, what, the week after WrestleMania where Priest was fest- facing AJ. And they had that weird, like, purple lighting and the match just ended and they never talked about it. That shit was lame. Like, we can't be doing that. It's not the pandemic. That that stuff killed Bray Wyatt. I could totally get Edge's vibe if it's true that they want to do it. And him being like, nah, man, that doesn't work for me. As it shouldn't. But, I don't know. I... I don't, it's just no supernatural stuff. No, no. Rossi, what, no. what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I just want to know, like, obviously they decided to do this quick um, because of the Cody thing and they needed a big baby face for, like, SummerSlam and stuff, but which is cool. Um, but, like, does Edge face Priest first? Does he get a tag partner first? Um, does he face Finn first? Like, how does that work? Uh, that's where you kind of felt like they should have had some sort of a leader. Um, I mean, the beatdown led me to think it was going to be Priest, uh, but I don't know. Maybe Finn is the better match, obviously. So who knows? But then, then again, do we really do the fans, you know, kayfabe wise, do we really want to cheer Edge after he, you know, manipulated us and called us stupid the last three months and was so serving, like trying to get that stupid sports heat and like really trying to be a heel and saying we're dumb and all that stuff like yeah like not personally i get that but can they really transition there did they or by him going down that lane did they kind of stab themselves in the back with that stuff i think the it was the only way yeah the only way that he can quickly be a baby face and he comes back is if they give him uh the theme back the baby face theme back um because that's the pop that gets the crowd going and now they're going to cheer him and forget that he called them all losers for three months it, it really, it really shows the like we've talked about a million times the lack of depth of over dudes on the roster that they had this big ass angle that seemed really cool with this super evil heel faction, and one dude gets injured and they have to scrap the whole thing. Like there was not one other over dude that they could be like, well, this is gonna be the babyface that Cody was gonna be. 
and they just didn't have a guy to put there and they had to put edge there and it's that's the, that's the biggest bummer of it all is that they just didn't have the dude to fit the place uh, that could have done it and now this whole angle is completely different the only reason i kind of put up a little flag against that is because edge has been written off tv and he's gonna be written off tv for what pass money in the bank so yeah we need edges this baby face so let's turn let's turn him against them but then he's gone for five or six weeks so is that really a thing or is that just like kind of Meltzer assuming things and making up things that's that's the only <laughs> thing that i kind of like hold a little flag up and say is that true in a way you know just because he's gone for a month plus you would assume after that beatdown. Well, you never know if Edge said, fuck off, I'm not doing a Supernatural thing, and they said, all right, well. I will, we'll... I would believe that more than we need babyface depth. I think he's smart enough to know that if they were going to do a Supernatural thing, that that is so, so, a crowd can turn on that shit so easily, and they got away with it for so fucking long, for 18 months in the, suit, in the pandemic, but any of that Supernatural shit can be just laughed out of the fucking building if it doesn't go perfect, so he, he ain't a dummy, right? No. So, no. question, question for you guys though. So, they if they do the six six person route, obviously Edge will come back with his wife as the one that is as strong as Rhea because that's what they love to do. Yeah. Um, but who would be the other baby face? Like, can you really do AJ? Seeing how him and Edge oh. were a blood feud for so long, that makes no goddamn sense. So that makes who, no AJ fits in, Yeah. So who fits into that role if it's not Cena. AJ? I don't see it in a way, but not really. Too bad, Christian, too bad Christian's managing uh, a dinosaur. <laughs> <laughs> and Zack Ryder's injured, so you can't bring him back to be the his uh, boy. Yeah. Yeah, who Kurt knows? Kurt Hawkins still an impact? <laughs> he is, yeah. <laughs> what about uh, Bam, Bam Morley? <laughs> oh, do you remember him? And he was part Chavo. of Australia. Chavo. <laughs> Chavo can get fucked. One night uh, only, Braun Breaker that's shows up. Spot for someone, but AJ would be super lame. Got it. I got it. Gangrel. Oh, there we go. go. There bang, we go. Bang. Actually, hey, it's fuck into the next feud we're going to talk about. It's Ezekiel. What's going on with KO and Ezekiel Eller? I'm enjoying the shit out of this. Um, <laughs> if you guys think it's stupid, I completely understand. But um last week we had a match with ko and ezekiel uh definitely not elias and the action was pretty good to start you know ko showed a lot of you know ko's great so he was moving real quick um showing a lot of offense but he got himself counted out because he and he lost just because he can't control that he can't like get over the fact that nobody else believes that ezekiel and elias are the same person um and he's losing his shit and finally, Ezekiel, uh, you know, grabbed the mic and talked to his Zeke freaks and said that next week we are going to have um, Elias. His older brother, Elias, is going to be returning to Monday Night Raw next week. Um, so I don't know if Ezekiel can probably if he can is he can have like a like just grow a beard super fast or uh, like I'm just curious how they run with that. But. Um, I don't know. It's fun. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't run this much, too much further. Like hopefully by money in the bank, it's over. Uh, but you know, Kale's doing great work for a feud that, you know, just followed a, a wrestling match for Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you told me that Ezekiel was going to take, take a charge at, and fall suit after Stone Cold and it actually work and Ezekiel is going to be Elias. I feel like you're fucking insane. That's some stupid ass shit, but Hey, 
That shit hits, man. It's it's pretty funny. Like you actually said, and KO's actually the perfect guy to do this wonky stuff, and it works. Like I like wonky, but sometimes too wonky is too wonky. But this is not too wonky for me. This is right up my alley. But um, I'm just curious how they're gonna get there and what they're gonna deliver with this whole Elias twist this Monday. Uh, Rocco, are, what are you doing Monday? Is there any way your long hair and your beard can transfer into, into Elias for us? Kayfabe, hey, brother, come on, you can't. I can't tell you about that. Kayfabe, hey, yeah, gotcha, buddy. My bad. Um, this feud is crazy because on paper, like you said, man, it just was like this is gonna. It's like a fucking like an Adam Sandler movie where it's just like this is, and then you watch it and it's you laugh. You know, like I was just not expecting anything, and it's just KO, man. This motherfucker, like he's just so good. He could, he he just is so fucking good. And him and like you were saying before about Sammy, they both just kind of are just killing it <laughs> at the same time on different shows. It's great for them to be a part, but still kind of doing the same thing where they're just taking a storyline that and just fucking nailing it. Um, And I do not know how to make a man's full beard grow back in three days, but who knows? Maybe he's like a Chia pet and you could just water him and it'll, it'll pop in. <laughs> Can we trust the WWE to pull this off? Mm. There's always the glue, there's always the glue and a handful of pubes you can just throw on his face. Um, I don't know. <laughs> Not my pubes. My shit's fucking clean, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, redheaded pubes. Oh, whoa, 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 brown brother. All right, Rossi, what are you gonna say about this shit? Um, like, like pretty much what everybody else said. Like, it's stupid, it's idiotic, but I love it. Uh, so. I don't know how the hell they're going to do it. If they bring somebody in that kind of looks like Elias and they just play stupid, if they do like weird, like backstage stuff, I almost feel like you got to bring them out in front of the live crowd. Um, but it's WWE. So you never know. They could do like something cinematic where they're both there. Right. Um, but it's, it's, I'm interested. I mean, it's the main reason I want to watch raw on Monday. So that's really, I don't know if that's sad or telling or what. They could just have like Elias on the on the on the screen and just cut old footage into sound bites that make it seem like he's talking back, you know, something fun like that. And it would be ridiculous, and it would drive, excuse me, it would drive Owens crazy. That like no one else notices that it's like different. He's wearing different outfits from <laughs> set word to word, like something wild like that. So <laughs> um, I think it could be cool, man. Yep. All right, so Eller, what do we got on the Cody side before we transfer into our next segment, buddy? Um, last thing, you know, yeah, uh, you know, with Cody being out, Raw needs a top program. Um, and I was thinking, like, I'm like, this is so stupid that this theory and Bobby Lashley bodybuilding, whatever pose down is going last, or po- whatever you call it, is going on last. And I'm like, this is a, you know, why not end with Styles and Rollins? That's a great match. But if, John Cena and Austin Theory are going to feud for the U.S. title or, you know, just feud in general, then maybe they're kind of just building Theory up to make them look a little bit more important. So then when John Cena does come back, it seems like a little bit of a bigger deal because I know um, I've seen criticism for this that John Cena shouldn't be, you know, for his return match, shouldn't be wrestling Austin Theory or just Theory, I guess, is what his name is now. Yeah, well, first, before we jump into Cody, um, kudos to Cody and kudos to the WWE. Um, not often do we get to say that, really, because Cody was dead in the water in his latter days at AEW. And then when that news broke, we were like, no way, this is going to fucking work. He's going to be feuding with The Miz, and it's going to kind of be garbage. But, you know, and if you believe that this is all Pritchard, like Cody kind of said, you know, kudos to Pritchard, kudos to Cody. 
And kudos to Rollins, too, who is love or hate with a lot of people around here. But, you know, that shit was a home run since WrestleMania. WrestleMania was a home run. Backlash, it was an even better match. And then Hell in the Cell, which we'll get to in a second, was just outstanding. And, it, you know, it could honestly be a blessing in disguise that Cody got hurt leading into WrestleMania or leading into the Rumble or whatever scenario Rossi talked about earlier. So kudos to them on that. Seg four, brother. Kayfabe Yekshne, Rocco's random rumblings. What do you got for us this week, Rocco? Hello. All right, well, I'm talking about Cody, and you kind of inspired me to start thinking, and I'm thinking about the Cody shoulder. And uh, these are going to be a little rambling. I, I'm not really, I didn't really form a cogent idea, but the shoulder being a part of the match and the integration of an injury into like a fictional storytelling device and how that injury changed that entire match. And it makes me wonder, like, does the fact that he was super injured that changes the, the 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 way you would look at that match, and it changed the whole story. And in terms of criticism or rating it, whatever you want to call it, it bumps it up. And but is it is it going to overshadow the actual match and the importance of that match? And it makes me think of other things like in sports, where or even in 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 sports where like a Michael Jordan with the flu at the NBA Finals, you know. He had a great performance. He had the flu. Uh, Kurt Gibson, the walk-off home run in the uh, the Super Bowl, in uh, the World Series. Without that image of him being super injured, is that looked at as memorable, even though it was still memorable? And probably Ryan's favorite thing when Kurt Schilling faked his ankle injury against the Yankees in 2004, and uh, stuff like that, where he was, you know, had his little ketchup on his back. But so, where do you think? Where do you guys think? Do you think this changes how? Injury angles are going to be used in the future. Do you think it's just like, does this make um, Jim Abbott the greatest pitcher of all time? Because he had one hand. Like, it's kind of, it's not, I'm not saying one way or the other. I just was thinking about it. And like a Yankees perfect games, uh, your other favorite thing, right? Like Dwight Gooden and Dave, like David Wells famously being hungover and possibly on acid. Does that make that perfect game better than a guy who just threw a perfect game? And that's the kind of thing where in, like, Robert De Niro gaining weight in Raging Bull. Like, was that better than the great Santini and Robert Duvall in 1980? Did he deserve an Oscar just because he gained weight? And it becomes the thing where people are talking more about the shoulder than the actual match. So, like I said, I'm just kind of rambling about stuff. And how Mick Foley's falling through the cage gets labeled as a freak show incident. And I know that happened during the match. But do you think this is going to change beliefs how... Is it real, real injuries or is it now, you know, like, is this a shoot brother? Like everything else is fake, but this part's real. Are these the injuries need something crazy like that? Is the old school just having a wrapped shoulder or selling? Because no one sells a, a shoulder anymore. Like People don't really sell an injury for multiple weeks. So does any of this make sense to you guys? Do you, do you have a favorite injury angle? Do you think that being such a major part of the storytelling of the match is going to change the way people look at injury angles in the future? Well, real quick, in the short term, I thought I think they veered into the structure of the match and it told the story of Cody's injury. And I think the performance was great and I think it added to the drama and the excitement of the match. And 
I think it was a complete home run that night. Do I think it was five stars? No, but I think it was very close. Now, in the long term, it's the best thing for Cody. He's super hot like now, right now, like I talked about. And when he comes back, he's going to be even hotter. And when he comes back, he's going to get that layer of toughness that his character needs that will get him to that 10 level that I always talk about. Because he's probably like an 8 right now. And he's going to return at a 9. And when he left the WWE, he was at like a 3 as Stardust, right? So he leaves the WWE. He comes back, he creates his own company, he goes and kills the indies, and he comes back with this epic WrestleMania moment into this big, long, drawn-out star, his father's favorite star, and it was this beautiful story that they told, but he came back as a 7, and he worked his way up to his 8, and he was he going to be able to get to a 10 to dethrone Roman Reigns? I don't know. I don't think so it may have been force which may have been a backlash because there's substance missing within the depth of cody rhodes character and this whole toughness and this whole ingredient angle was really smart for them to give him that layer of toughness that might actually get him to a 10 one day because you told me at the end of his AEW run that he'd be the one to dethrone roman reigns i'd be out of your fucking mind because he's struggling against in a segment against sammy gravaro and he's getting booed out of the fucking building because he's not interested he's trying to be this baby face when he should be a fucking heel but now he's in the WWE and he should get his flowers because he actually totally crushed it. Now I cut off Rossi who turned, who unmuted his mic. Rossi, what do you got to add to this before I keep going on? Yeah, that's my tell. Um, so the, the thing is, and like just kind of going back to Rocco's point. So yes, there's guys that have always worked through injuries, but I don't remember a situation where you could visualize the injury to the magnitude you could in this Cody match. And that's really what made this different from anything else. Um, I mean, just the second he took that jacket off, it's like, holy shit, how is this going to happen? That was like, yep. That was the moment where he became the star and he took everything to the next level. But in reality, it was then he worked a 24 minute match or whatever it was. And he was taking these stupid bumps on the thing and thing definitely looked worse after than it did before. Um, But it's one of those things that this whole time since he came over to WWE, I thought, you know, he's going to win money in the bank and he's going to cash it in at WrestleMania, but then he's going to not cash it in at Mania. He's going to cash it in on some poor baby face that just beat Roman and turn heel that way. Um, he's not, they don't have to do that anymore. It's as simple as just leaving him as a baby face because when he comes back, it's going to be like, it's not going to be the Cena MSG pop if it's in the rumble because more people are going to be expecting this, but it's going to be the biggest pop of the rumble. It doesn't matter who else is in it because Cody's H-O-2. back. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they should yeah. do. It should be a beautiful day. Triple H O two. Yeah. So Cody's now a baby face and he's going to remain a baby face. And that's the best thing that he probably was hoping for. Um, but it's also, he's going to be as big a star as they possibly would want him to be in that role. And I didn't think that that was fucking possible six months ago. But it's it's here, and Cody is going to be even bigger off of this injury than he ever has been in the past. Yeah, like, that shoulder was better than – it was better at eliciting sympathy for him than any Moodle-level blade job. You know, it really brought a lot to it. And in some ways, it does – it's almost like a tragedy leading to – like you said, this is getting him to the next level. It's almost similar. It's a little morbid, but like an Eddie death and a Ray push. You know, this is like – it was a terrible thing that happened. This guy having a really shitty injury sucks, but it's like they really used it for something. And uh, it's the kind of lightning in a bottle you can't really, well, you can write, but it, it just doesn't have the same uh, weight to it. 
Yeah, that's a really good comparison, too, with the Eddie and Ray thing, because at the end of the day, Ray was doomed because he didn't have the depth within the Ray Mysterio character, you know. But this layer of toughness, this layer of Cody is so layered now, if it's not with his father, his family legacy, if it's the Stardust, you know, stigma or if it's the AEW coolness factor coming back or that heel edge that he has, he is totally layered and this toughness. uh dimension is another layer to give to him and ray ultimately ray failed because he had no layers so when they go with this sympathy whole thing they have it's just layers that he can lean back so eller you haven't spit any knowledge on this what do you think buddy i to rock i think rocko brought up you know witness ramblings brought up a point where like do they overdo this? Like, you know, I hope that they don't like, you know, just like keep doing injury angles and like trying to make a guy bigger because of that. Um, it just happened, you know, unfortunately it happened so organically because, you know, he got hurt lifting weights. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't do this for too many guys. I definitely wouldn't kayfabe it and make it part of an angle unless, you know, they really were hurt. And, you know, how many guys are going to be able to do this like rip tearing their peck and continuing to wrestle so i i i think i'm gonna err i think they're gonna probably hold off on that because it just like it there's just so many variables that have to go for you know have to happen for this type of angle to happen in the future yeah and i don't i think this is just the perfect you put the word you use the best word eller organic and that was this. They they or like Ray wasn't organic. Do, this do th- was organic. Do you think that something like the Rousey hurt getting hurt in a pretty not exciting way though on SmackDown literally the following week is kind of exposes an injury angle where it's like why would she get hurt by like what did Natalia I forget what Natalia did to her but it really wasn't much. And this dude like could a, have a ma- you know sharpshooter too long right that wasn't that what it was yeah. Like yeah, that that's destroying her. We're worried that they even said they gave her a fake thing. They said that she injured her or something. They gave one of those weird rest WWE terms where it's like a, you know, a clavicle tear or anal bleeding, whatever they say. And <laughs> sorry, that's I think that's just, one of your songs. It's just a JR. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. Um, but yeah, like it's kind of in my mind doing it so closely me. That's what made me think of it where it's like you can't really do a big injury angle right after it makes these to me it runs the risk of making other people look like pusses if they can't hack it just because Ray got put in a, the cervical clutch or whatever it's called. He's like just getting stretchered out on when he wasn't, but you know what I mean? So I, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just something that I, I thought of when I was watching this. And it's something to, to think of when you watch it the next time. And maybe you're going to, maybe you'll be watching an injury angle and you'll go, no, oh, that doesn't really stick with me after watching that. So that's yeah, but I think Cody has the depth within the character work to do it and the range within the character to do it. You know, like, like look at his Jericho promo back in 2019. That thing was like an all time promo. So th- this dude is like a legit actor. He take acting classes. He takes the craft seriously. So I think that he could pull something like this off. And it, like I've been saying this whole time, it's a layer of depth that he totally needs. Yeah, there is, there is being super injured and there's being a good actor and letting other people know through your face and your actions that you are super injured. Like, you know, you know when I'm injured because I'm laying on the fucking couch, but, <laughs> you know, but to fake being injured, it can come off hokey and not great. And uh, not saying he wasn't in pain, but he really did sell it well. Yeah, and I, I, I trust him going forward with it. I think I I think I would. 
All right, Rocco, you got any more to add to the Cody, the Cody suspense? No, that's about it, man. I just want you to know that the Red Sox did once have a perfect game themselves, and it was by a noted racist, Cy Young. So there you go, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) Touche. Real quick, guys. Landmark. Cody going to win the Rumble? Yay or nay? All three of you. Yay. Who else? else? Breaker, I guess. I don't know. Brittle. Bad, bad, Bad Cat Moss, of course. Well, the only <laughs> the only other way that that it's not Cody, in my opinion, is if they want to have the Rock win it to get to the Reigns match. If that's the road they go, and then that's your big surprise to add the Rumble. But you know that kind of that's what makes that interesting. Like that that might be impossible now with the big Cody return. But the Cody Rollins thing could be one part part of the Rumble, and then you know if you're going to use the Rock to kind of you know get to that Reigns match that way. I mean that would be a cool way to end the Rumble. Um, well, so unless knows? they like. Sorry, unless they split the belts by then, right? Then yeah, they, they could do that. Maybe Survivor Series, since that's kind of the brand versus brand thing. Maybe they'll find a way to do something with that. Hopefully, that's for the future episode. <laughs> All right, but are you guys thing? Are you guys ready for the Ryan Gray thing of the week? Are you ready? I think I'm ready, yeah. That's right. a legendary name. <laughs> well thought out. Ryan, Ryan Gray thing of the week is it is NBA final season, guys. And my beloved Boston Celtics, Mike Rossi's beloved Boston Celtics, and the team of the, uh, whatever, the team, I couldn't think of anything to finish it, but the, te- the hot team right now, hopefully, when this comes out Friday, Hopefully the finals are over. We're looking forward to a game seven or I'm deleting this episode and we're not going to release it. But anyways, um, it's NBA final season time. And I came up, you know me, I like gimmicks at the end of these shows. I like games and I like wonkiness. So let's get after it. I asked you guys to prepare me a starting five of NBA players compared to WWE or whatever wrestlers like for example Shawn Michaels to Kobe Bryant Michael Jordan to Stone Cold Tim Duncan to The Undertaker you guys kind of get the vibe right so who would like to go first with their starting five and for the sixth man well at the end of our starting five I asked you guys to present the sixth man for us to present to and compare on the fly. So who would like to start? Should we go with the elder statement here? Rocco Martone. Rocco, <laughs> give us your starting five NBA comparisons to wrestlers. All right. Well, my current knowledge is pretty low. Uh, I know uh, that Steph Curry dude and uh, LeBron James. I don't know any other guys, but so I went to, to my, start us off. <laughs> I went to my sweet spot, which is the late 80s and 90s. I was also a Celtics fan, but I went for the 92 Olympic team, the, the dream team. So. Oh, sweet. Um, so my number one player of all time, the the man, Larry Bird. Um, I have to uh, I'm giving that. And oh, and I'm sorry, I didn't even explain this. And I'm going to compare them to kind of the four horse women era of women's wrestling in the WWE. So that like that post divas era with the four horsemen and my number one chick. And I think is the greatest women's wrestler going. Uh, my Larry Bird is Oscar. Um, just in the fact that. He was not the most athletic dude, but he fucking worked his balls off. He was shooting a thousand free throws every day. 
And that's tantamount to Asuka being pretty much a young boy in Japan and having Mizuru Suzuki kick the shit out of her and do some just dealing with that. And just being a hard work, athletic person who grows up to be one of the best things and also being um, a white dude in a sport that has a lot of black dudes. She's a Japanese woman in America. Like there's a lot of parallels that I see there. And just, you know, she's a mother. She's an older person. And, you know, he came from a crazy family and stuff like that. So that's my number one wrestler. That's my number one girl. And that's my number one dude. Um, so you needed magic. They didn't really have the greatest feud of all time, but they probably had my favorite, one of my favorite women's matches. So Charlotte is my Magic Johnson. They're both show-offs. They both kind of seem like the chosen ones. Um, Jordan, you need your Jordan. So that's my Sasha Banks, kind of a lot of very all-around, kind of plays himself off as the greatest of all time, the GOAT. Um, uh, you need your Pippin to your Jordan, so you gotta have Bailey, and uh, the more likable person, like the Pippin, is way more likable than Magic uh, than Jordan, and Bailey's way more likable it seems than Sasha Banks. Um, and so the most unlikable dude on the Olympic team was Charles Barkley, <laughs> who <laughs> was not even supposed to be on the team, and he almost fucked it up because then he like smack a Croatian in the head. It was a big thing, but. He was the leader. He had the most points of anybody. So that's got to be Becky, big time Bex, since she has had the most success and she seems wildly unlikable as well to me. So that's my team. From a six man, from a six man, I'm going NXT. So I'm grabbing my Christian Leitner of the team and I'm going to go NXT and pick who should be the biggest next person to join this ranks in the NXT crew. And I'm going to say Alba Fire. And there you go. All right, we'll get to Alba Fire when we get to the sixth man. I like that. All right, Ella, are you ready? Yeah, let's do it. Um, so I am starting. Um, I'm going to go with Kurt Angle, and I'm going to – for him, I have as Dr. J. Basically, they're both kind of like ahead of their time. Um, Dr. J was – I, I, you know, just with the dunking and, you know, you could say Elgin Baylor, he came up even before him, but just, you know, Dr. J was before Jordan and really everything just came so naturally to him. Uh, we have all the legends about Dr. J and Rucker and at Rucker Park. Um, similarly, Kurt Angle, everything came naturally to him. Um, we saw a lot of his style come much later with the big moves and the heavy kickout type of matches. So I think like they were both kind of revolutionary there. Um, next I'm going to compare, uh, Kofi Kingston. I'm going to go with Manu Ginobili and I really love Ginobili and I love Kofi too. I think that they can kind of do everything. Um, like with Kofi, like Manu, you know, he was a six man of the year. He started for the Spurs sometimes. Um, sometimes Manu would be, you know, uh, their primary score, like when I worked for the Cavs as a ball boy, I remember he just was going off on us in that NBA finals, um, him and Tony Parker, and he was just super special. Um, and Kofi, you know, he could be a tag guy. He can be a world champion. He can be a mid-card guy. He can do everything for you, and he does everything well. Um, moving along, I have uh, Tracy McGrady uh, to Daniel Bryan. Um, it wasn't a perfect comparison, but like, I don't know if you remember the early 2000s, like I thought Trace T-Mac was like better than Kobe Bryant even at times. I mean, everything, again, came naturally to him. Uh, he kind of always looked like he didn't give a shit T-Mac did, but he just 
every, he was just so graceful with everything he did and his shooting was great. and His offense was great. And kind of like that to Daniel Bryan, where everything just seems so easy. Um, he's so smooth. He's, I think Daniel Bryan might be the best wrestler I've ever seen in my life. Um, so that was that comparison. Uh, going a little bit back in time, I picked Sean Kemp for another member of my starting five. Um, and I comparing him to Eddie Guerrero, uh, just the charisma both guys had Eddie, you know, with his, you know, dancing and he just was so great. Sean Kemp with his dunks, uh, you know, the dunk over Alton Lister and the 92 playoffs. And then the pose that he did afterwards was just so awesome. And, uh, so both guys were great there. And, um, the last thing I wanted the, my final starting five, um, I am going to go ahead. I, I was kind of torn between this one. Um, I didn't, I, I kind of went, uh, David Robinson comparing him to Andre the giant. And I know they don't look not necessarily anything alike. You know, Robinson was chiseled and, um, Andre, you know, obviously wasn't chiseled, but I just thought that Robin, David Robinson was just so special, especially like, it, you know, before Tim Duncan got to the, you know, before he got hurt really. And Duncan joined the team the next year. Um, he was just so special and he was just such a, talented player you could basically you know bring the ball up as a 7-2 guy and um you know Andre was a spectacle too uh Andre was very you know it was just awesome to see Andre and uh so that concludes my starting five very cool Rossi what you got for us I I hope it's very green oh of course it is man it, it, the the Celtics have been my obsession for the last uh couple months so i haven't even been watching as much wrestling because like my celtics off days i need the break um so of course i'm doing the 2021 2022 boston celtics and i'm going to compare them to only current roster wwe main roster wrestlers um and i have all guys so it kind of plays well off of the the women angle that uh, rocco had so first off i'm gonna start with rob williams so he's my big man um, i'm comparing him to damian priest um he can be dominant he can look like he's unstoppable, uh, but then he can seem unavailable to help at all during long stretches of time, whether that's because of an injury, whether that's because you've been written off of a storyline. They kind of go hand in hand to me, and I want to give Ryan a shout because my one block, my little bit of thought block that I had on this entire thing was who Rob Williams was. He said Damian Priest, and it kind of went down, um, and I, I put it all together. So I can't seem to truly find the niche for Damian Priest much like I can't really find the niche for Rob Williams sometimes, but when he's on the court and he's that playing at his best, he can be outstanding. All right. Next to him is going to be the a fellow big man, and that's going to be Al Horford. I'm going to give him, and this one might be surprising, I'm going to give him Bobby Lashley. Ooh, now, he had a lot of promise when he first came into wrestling, just like Al Horford did when he first came into the NBA, but he was always on the top of the promotion wherever he was, whether it was an impact or whatever, but he was never really the guy anywhere he went. Now, in his older years, he has had a big-time uh, wrestling resurgence, and although still not the guy, he's someone that, that the WWE would not be able to live without, much like the Celtics right now probably couldn't have lived without Al Horford on this roster. I mean, look at what plugging him back in did to this team. Um, they would struggle without last year on Monday nights, just like the Celtics would. Now, Marcus Smart. Uh, this one was the easiest one for me. I went with Sami Zayn. So he's a, the ultimate glue guy, both of them. Um, Smart will do whatever the Celtics need to do to win. 
Sami Zayn will do whatever WWE asks him to do, and he'll do it with a smile on his face. Um, they, they do the little things, but they'll never be the full-blown guy. Um, they're both zany. They're both wacky. They can both, at times, we see this with Marcus and with Zayn, they can both play a strong baby face and a heel. Um, and you love to have him on your team, but you hate him when he's on another roster. Because Sami Zayn, man, if he was in AEW, he'd be bashing WWE. He just seems like that type of guy. Um, now, Jalen Brown. Jalen Brown, obviously a two-way star. I went with Matt Riddle. Um, he's been able to carry programming when needed, much like Jalen's been able to carry the Celtics when needed at times that his um, Batman's not been ready um, or not available or, or heard or whatever Tatum's been. But sometimes you wonder what the hell he's doing, just like you do with Riddle. I mean, this guy can turn the ball over in four straight possessions, and Riddle might just be too stoned to know what his lines are. Um, so those two go hand-in-hand hand to me. Um, Riddle does some shit that you're like, what are you doing? And same thing with Brown. So those two fit hand in hand to me. And then Jason Tatum, you're probably expecting Roman Reigns, but I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to go with Gunther. All right. So always loaded with talent. He has everything needed to be the top guy, but he's missing the sexiness, the consistency that the top guys in the WWE or the NBA typically have. Um, With Tatum, I might be whining about calls with Gunther. It might just be that he's just not somebody that normally gets positioned at that level. Um, 2022 has been their true breakout year. When you think about it, Gunther on a national U S level, uh, Tatum on the national top five, top 10 NBA level. Um, Gunther won his first major WWE singles title in 2022. And even though we're down three, two at time of this recording, when you listen to it, it will be three, three. Hell we'll be ready. We'll be ready to win that title for Tatum's first title. Um, sky's the limit once on the top for both of these guys. Um, and then my sixth man, Grant Williams, um, he's our truth. Uh, just completely out of his fucking mind, have no clue what you're getting on the floor, game in, game out, just like you don't do with, know with truth week in and week out, but they can both do the small things needed to make your team or a show go at any given time. That's me. All right. So my good job, by the way, you did the Celtics very well. All right. So mine are totally out of left field. There's no rhyme or reason. There is no dream team or Celtics. There is no women's tie-in or all males tie-in. It is completely like ADHD, but that's me. So the Dudley boys, we're going to count them as one unit, and they are Draymond Green. They would both be considered second-round picks. They are loud, vulgar, brash, and tough, just like Draymond Green. Um, They both failed in singles runs in 2002, kind of like Draymond Green failed as a singles act when Seth and Clay were hurt the last two seasons. Um, they are the third wheel. The, the Dudley boys are the third wheel to Edge and Christian. Like Draymond Green is the third wheel to Clay and Draymond or to Clay and Seth, but they also a very important wheel in that third wheel. Uh, they would, they are both hall of famers because of grit but if Draymond was in, say, Cleveland or the Hornets or Portland, he wouldn't be a Hall of Famer because he would be relied on. He wouldn't be able to maximize his role. Just like if the Dudley boys were singles guys or if they didn't have fun with the Dudley, you know, if they were just 2004, 2005 wonkiness, they wouldn't be that Hall of Fame team. They wouldn't be the Hall of Fame team like the they're lower tier Hall of Famers pretty much combined. And um, that's kind of. All I got for those guys. And my second one is Brian Pillman to Gilbert Arenas. 
both were in the league for about 10 years or a career in 10 years and then vanished one due to death the other one due to just whatever Gilbert was an early second rounder kind of like Pillman would be an early second rounder in a early in the early 90s he's, he's an Atlanta Giants he wouldn't really be that top pick to go with but he was a mid-card guy and he rises up through the ranks they both had three years with the Warriors or three years with Stampede before they exceeded in their next step with the Wizards or with WCW the nickname is the Loose Cannon in Agent Zero kind of individuals with cool stylish nicknames not really, I was reaching, but hey, whatever. Similar primes, um, but Arena was kind of a little more advanced in the NBA world. Um, both have memorable names with an incredible talent, talents at their craft, but known more for outside of the ring antics. And uh, both have been suspended within their industry numerous times. And most importantly... Pillman has a gun, <laughs> and Gilbert Arena, Gilbert Arenas brought a gun to, to the locker room to, to to settle a poker dispute. So that's why I got here. <laughs> All right, Randy Orton to Seth Curry. Both of their fathers played in the league. They are both bigger stars than their fathers. They both stayed on the same team or the same company for their their whole career. They are they are not top three picks, but they're both like top five or ten lottery picks. Um, they are very good instantly, and um, you know they're just top tier Hall of Fame talent. I wouldn't call them either of the goats, but I would probably call them overall top twenty five or top fifteen to twenty five guys at the end of the day. Um, the, this next one is wild, guys. I did this. I only had three, so I did the last two on the fly. This one's wild. Jay Crowder to Hardcore Holly. <laughs> they both think they're better than they are. They both had a moment in the sun. They both shitty loom rock loom guys. They're both good at specific thing. Crowder being three and D H- hardcore Holly being a job into the stars. They always define their role on their team and they're cheap shot artists. <laughs> All right. The last one's my favorite Kobe Bryant to Shawn Michaels. They both kind of had two careers. They both won championships within those two careers. They both think they are the man. They, bo- they, have, they both have ultimate stands that make, try to make cases that they're the best all the time, but they're kind of not, and they were on the same team forever. Those are my guys. Those are my starting five. Totally random, but whatever. And my sixth man would be Cody Rhodes. Who would you guys consider – like off the get, you know, right off the top of your head, Cody Rhodes. Who's your sixth man for Cody? Who is a comparison to Cody Rhodes? Hmm. Yeah, that's Danny, tough, right? Danny Ainge because he's a wrestler and a TV personality. He's got two. <laughs> two other Rocco Phil, that aside, Paul, <laughs> who you got? Kevin <laughs> <laughs> McHale, he's got a gross shoulders. There you go. That one's a little better. That's a good one. This is hard. You know, think I thought Barry, I thought Barry Windham, Barry Windham. He's not an NBA guy. I thought I, I, I he probably could have been. Oh, geez. I feel that one hard. Rossi, who you got? Um, so I, I, I can't think of somebody, but I'm thinking if like somebody left WWE came and then, um, went somewhere else and came back and was a bigger star. Um, like that's obviously like, now I'm thinking about, like if there was an NBA player that left a team um, and then came back to that team as a bigger star, um, but I can't see that. 
Um, so that's where it's tough. Yeah. Like, are, there, are, there, are there ever any NBA, NBA players that like were drafted by a team, sucked, moved from that team, and then I don't know, Chauncey Billups? That's a good one. That's a good. He, one. he was on like five different teams, and it or took a him a while of, before he a found. Son his of a niche. player. Yeah. Yeah. Son of a player would be good to add into. We'll have to think about that. Maybe maybe we can think about that the next two weeks and 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 finally come up with a Cody one in a couple weeks. Or right, how, how about you guys? tweet us or Facebook us or find us or reach out to us and let us know your starting five and a good comparison to Cody Rhodes. All right, guys, that's enough of Ryan's random nonsense of the week. So, um, Mike Rossi, let's close up the show here. What's going on on the indie show? and whatnot. Oh, man. So, yeah, you, you, got, you came at me here again, kind of like how the Vince story was good. There's a lot of good timing around uh, the indies and, and what's coming up this weekend and what's gone down the last couple weeks. So, first off, I want to give a shout-out to FTR. I can't talk about the indies right now without them, and that sounds weird. But they did a really cool two-match weekend last weekend. I know, Brian, you were at the match in Webster when they – Webster Mass when they wrestled Brian Pillman and Brock Anderson um, yep. for big-time wrestling. And, I mean, that was more so cool because Bret Hart actually cornered FTR for that match, which we knew was a big deal for the boys, that they're obsessed with Bret Hart. Um, Ryan, you were there. What, did, what what was the vibe in the building? Oh, they, as soon as it was main event time, everyone was up. The energy in the room went up. I stopped watching the Celtics on my phone for a little while <laughs> to kind of to pay attention. Um, it was a really small arena, but it was intimate. It had an old school vibe. Actually, an, old, an ECW was taped in this arena back in the day. So it's kind of like a little nostalgic. Um, I had a second row seat or excuse me, a third row seat. Um, if you watch any highlights from it, you see uh, Dash Hardwood or what, what Dash Dawson. What's who is he now? Dax, Dax Hardwood. Dax Hardwood. No, the other one. Dash Dawson. Whatever. Uh, da- Cash Wheeler. Cash Wheeler. He comes flying out the entrance ramp and just walks down my row on the seats. So that was pretty fucking cool. Um, and then just the place came unglued for Brett. Even even Arn got an awesome pop. Brock, his son's pretty rough, but he's only like 30 matches in, like legit. So whatever. Even in Pillman's rough too, but FTR are fucking pros. Those guys are stud. Dax Hardwood's fucking awesome. Cash Wheeler, who I couldn't think of a second ago, is also a stud. They are legit the best tag team on the planet. And then... You know, not to veer off away from that match because that match Ward's talking about, but PCO is fucking insane. Fucking these apron dives against Penta, Pentagon, and he fucking then drives home to Montreal, walking around in his Speedo after the show. Great night of wrestling. Celtics were winning. We decided to leave, and then they started losing. So while we were there, it was a great night. Gotcha, yeah. And I was going to ask you about that Pentagon-PCO match as well. but um... Fun sprint, man. Awesome. Funny to think about the fact that if you just take Bret Hart, the Revival, or FTR, and Arn Anderson, who was in the corner of Pillman and Brock, that was about thirty thousand dollars just to have those three in the building. Um, but that's either here nor there. I, I think Big Time Wrestling might have went belly up on that show, but I guess they sold a bunch of gimmicks. Yeah, um, they, they 
they got their name out there. Yeah, for sure. And then Saturday, um, FTR went down to West Virginia and they worked a tag match against the Wolves, uh, Eddie Edwards and Davey Richards. Um, heard it was a really cool match for a company named ASW. Um, heard it ruled. I don't know how to watch it. Uh, maybe I'll figure that out at some point. Maybe it's on fight or something. Um, but I'll have to do some track down. That'd be a cool match. Um, FTR. I know it's not a WWE topic, but I fucking hated these guys a year ago. The babyface turn. They sucked me right in. I love it. Um, so now Beyond Wrestling's our local promotion here. Um, they ran a show in Foxborough called Please Come Back this past weekend. Um, it was Beyond Wrestling versus Wrestling Open, which if you're not familiar, Wrestling Open's like an open mic night for wrestling that goes down here in Worcester, Massachusetts every Thursday. Um, so there's a lot of up-and-coming wrestlers in there. Some Beyond Mainstays will pop in there and do a show here or there. Um, but they did the Beyond versus Wrestling Open gimmick, and it was knotted up at three heading into the main event, which they, they titled Game 7 in the building. Um, Biff Busick rep Beyond Wrestling against the Northeast ace Alec Price, who was representing Wrestling Open. Price got the victory for Wrestling Open and uh, was kind of curious about Price getting the victory over Biff here. So I started sniffing around. And I have a little breaking news for you guys. Uh, Biff Busick's heading back to the WWE, if you can believe it. Um, he told Beyond that that was their last show that they had him because he was heading back to Orlando. Um, I'm under the impression it's the agent NXT when they're back on the Florida loop. Um, but Biff is heading back to Orlando. I don't think it's going to be as a wrestler. I think it's just going to be helping out, you know, with the development of guys being agents, coach, that type of thing. So something I confirmed this week. Um, and you'll see, you'll probably hear that out there pretty soon. Um, I don't know for sure the role, but I definitely know he's headed there. Um, then beyond also announced American Rana blackout, which with a date of August 21st in Worcester, um, this would be the first American Rana since 2019, um, 2020 was wiped out due to COVID and 2021 was wiped out due to a hurricane that kept most of the roster from being able to get into the show that night. So, um, it was a bummer, but they're running it back this year. First two names announced are the beyond return of Eddie Kingston. Um, and Will Wheeler Yuda, um, with the expectation on that show that Eddie will be facing Slade, um, and then Yuda, who knows? Um, then you know well, some other things before we get into GCW. Ian Rotten, um, who you know ECW fame, runs IWA Mid South, which is like a deathmatch promotion. Uh, they put tickets on sale for both the King and Queen of Deathmatch tournaments this summer. Um, abruptly canceled them this past week. Um, and it doesn't seem like he's in a real rush to get people refunds. So something that's kind of breaking down right now in the, the middle indie scene. Um, Jake Christ was the champion of IWA Mid-South. When he heard the news, he lit the belt on fire. Um, so there's a lot going on there. Um, some other companies, uh, Paragon Pro Wrestling, which I think is based in Indiana. I could be wrong. Um, they are offering people that can show that they have a ticket to that, that Mid-South show. Um, free tickets to you know a show of their choice, so kind of a cool gesture there. Um, but now GCW, so GCW, the the super indie as they've become over the last couple of years. Um, first off, it sounds like AGA Gray's canceled again. Um, we'll see how that all ends up, but from my understanding, he agreed to do work, um, like interview with some girl who was running a wrestling interview blog or something along those lines. Apparently, he was all about doing the interview with her and, you know, started messaging her, or hitting her up with some inappropriate things, um, then found out that she was 17 and oh. stopped talking to her altogether. 
um, unless he paid him more to do the interview, which it was supposed to be a free one. Um, at that point, the girl went on Twitter and kind of went crazy, as she should, because right in her Twitter bio, it says she's 17. So how, I don't know if AJ Gray just didn't read it. Obviously, that's possible. But, you know, if you're agreeing, if you're a wrestler and you're agreeing to do an interview, I'd probably want to check out who I was getting interviewed with before I started DMing them. Um, so he went cuckoo, deleted his social medias, um, kind of pretty much told everybody he was done with wrestling the other day. So we'll see how that pans out. It's a weird story, but, you know, a lot of things that happened around that GCW roster were weird. So we'll see. Um, so back at spring break and some other news I came up with this week, back at spring break in the clusterfuck, some people were enamored with a wrestler named Early Morning Guy Steele. Um, Ryan, you weren't at that show, right? You were at the earlier spring break. No, it was at part one, but we did, we did about five minutes on him in our indie review. We did. We did. So Guy, this is a follow up to that. So Guy Steele hit a sick 450 in that clusterfuck match on Janela, and he got over huge with that crowd. Now, this guy's clearly in a in a fat suit and a prosthetic mask. He's clearly hiding who he was, but he hit a sick 450. And I was trying to sniff around the people that I kind of know connected to GCW, and, and nobody really wanted to tell me or they didn't know who that was. Um, but I did get confirmation on who we think it was at this point. Um, and I don't want – because he did wrestle a scramble during GCW in Vegas – um, during Double or Nothing weekend. Um, and that was the same night that somebody else was on the show later on, much later in the show, which gave him time to possibly undress and get into his real gimmick. Um, now, without saying his name, as a WWE fan, this guy's a big fan of the dripstick. So um, <laughs> take that for what it's worth. Um, so we'll see if he gets booked in the future and how if they continue to try to hide it as words starting to break out as to who it is. So Blake Christian um, earned a future GCW world title shot, beating Matt Cardona two weekends ago. Now Cardona came to the ring in a wheelchair with Chelsea Green, uh, more neck braced, obviously didn't do much in the match, but he wanted to get Christian the win because that was an advertised world title qualifier. Um, so did the, did the thing. He did kind of the wheelchair. He did a funny picture with him at the bottom of the stairs, kind of like when Kane threw him off the Titan Tron. Um, so or the ramp. Um, so that was a cool photo shot. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, Cardone is still going to do business with GCW when he's back. Uh, but Blake Christian will have a shot down the road. Um, now, that will be probably against John Moxley, um, which I'll get into here in a second. He's coming back this weekend. And the last bit of GCW news, Drew Parker won the tournament of survival, defeating Matt Tremont in a no rope barbed wire match. This was the Tournament of Survival, which is the last deathmatch tournament that Tremont's yet to win. He's going to have to try it again next year. Um, GCW is back this weekend with two shows. One Saturday night in New York at the Roseland, or Roseland Ballroom, I think it's called. Um, that is obviously New York City. So similar to their pay-per-view back in January, they cannot bleed. Um, so it won't feel like a genuine GCW experience. Um, but... Moxie's back on the show. They put a fun little card together. Moxie's going to be on top defending the title against Tony Deppen. This will be Moxie's fourth defense of the GCW title. Um, we'll see where that goes. Uh, singles match, Jack Evans will be facing off a Ninja Mac. Uh, Joey Janela is in a singles match with Mike Jackson, who's a 72-year-old man um, from the South. Uh, we'll see how that goes. Charles Mason is kind of playing like a creep gimmick um, in their lower divisions. He gets the bump up to GCW here against Nate Webb. Um, my One of my personal favorites, Masha Slamovich, is wrestling Marco Stunt. That ought to be interesting. Uh, Grim Reefer and Homicide. 
Um, they'll definitely light one up in the middle of that match. Uh, Six-man tag, ASF, Drago Kid, and Gringo Loco against the SAT, which are some, a New York team. Six-man tag match, Jimmy Lloyd and the Los Mazizos, uh, Ciclope and Mio, Miedo Escrimo. And it's a secondary gear crew of Manders, Mance, and Matthew Justice. Notice not AJ Gray. Um, six-way scramble match, John Wayne Murdoch, Cole Raddick, Jordan Oliver, Blake Christian, Alec Price, and Jake Cartwheel. So that should be a fun one. And uh, Ryan, I believe you'll be in Providence this Sunday for the second GCW of the weekend. Is that correct? Correct. Me and the, me and the boys. No, All right. It's me and the boys like JT. <laughs> Absolutely. So a couple matches on that show. Um, the, the Beyond tag team of um, Waves and Curls is going to make their GCW debut against oh, nice. Justice and Justice and Warner. So they're That's probably the going to have some stab wounds when they leave that place. Um then another callback to an old Beyond feud that actually happened in this building, uh, Fat. Uh, Joey Janela wrestles JT Dunn, who's making his GCW debut as well. That's um, his debut? Wow. Yeah. Well, I mean, he might have done, like, the old stuff, but, like, new, like new high-level GCW, yeah. Um, like, when when weirdos like uh, Damian Darling were the, the world champion. Um, but, anyways... <laughs> yeah. Singles match, Lefisto um, wrestles Alley Catch. That, that'll be interesting. Um, then there's a, a like a mid, mid-level AAA guy making his debut this weekend named Commander. Um, he's teaming up with Los Mizizos, uh, Sequipay, and Miedo Extremo against Drago Kid and the Space Boys, which is Gringo Loco and ASF. That should be a, a high fly in spot fast. Cole Radrick against Ninja Mac. Kevin Blackwood against Jack Cartwheel. Jordan Oliver against Blake Christian, which was a huge match in 2020, 20, early 2020. Uh, we'll see where they go with that. And then Will Ospreay makes his GCW debut against 16-year-old Seattle phenom Nick Wayne, uh, which was the match that Wayne requested when he got pulled off of the pay-per-view because he wasn't of age back in, in January. So um, Janella and crew finally put that together for him with Ospreay um, and – you know, I think you got a cool show to see this weekend, Ryan. That's pretty much all I got for GCW. So I hope you enjoy that this weekend. We'll have to uh, talk about that in a couple of weeks about your experience of GCW at FET Music Hall. Yeah, a real electric Saturday or a Sunday ahead. GCW, Game Seven. Celtics gonna get it done. What do you got, Eller? You you're an NBA head. Are we done here with the Celtics before we jump off the GCW and stuff? I gotta get. I gotta know. Ah. Uh... Game five was pretty tough, but hey, I, I was going to say, I, I think they could win game. They, you know, they're going back to Boston. They're, they're, Boston's, like Boston's crowds have been pretty on fire um, this, this the whole postseason. So I think they'll be all right. I think game, we'll see game seven. Um, I'm rooting for you guys, though. If Thank you. I appreciate it. I mean that. You, you're welcome back now. Now, if, <laughs> now, if, uh, if this game six was a clincher, me and the cowboy were gonna bust out the black card and go to game six, but <laughs> not so much anymore. <laughs> was that is that cowboy Joe West? Uh cowboy Roger Morset. <laughs> no, right. Um one thing I forgot too, but GCW, because you this kind of links back to WWE. Um GCW also announced they'll be back in Atlantic City for homecoming weekend, um, August thirteenth, fourteenth, Saturday, Sunday. That's normally like their second biggest weekend of the year, other than Mania Weekend. Um, this was where they had Cardona beat Gage last summer, uh, yeah. which was like their biggest hype match of the year. But what's really interesting about this is that WWE is running an Atlantic City house show that Sunday, literally next door to where GCW is running. 
And they're um, running I, Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, GCW is running Saturday and Sunday as kind of like their travel weekend. Um, WWE is in an arena that's literally the next door to the GCW arena that Sunday. So that should make for an interesting group of crowds on the boardwalk that day. Yeah, yeah. talk about black and white, huh? Oof. Now, uh, Rossi, did you know that Rocco is going to make his Beyond Wrestling return for Blackout America Rota? I did not. I actually was thinking about also making my Beyond return at that Blackout show. Rocco, so, is that true? Uh, once again, you got a kayfabe, brother. I can tell you that stuff right now. <laughs> we'll see. It's a, it's a, they're trying to piece together a fun little card. Um, getting you to an opponent is, is the, the struggle right now, but... Um, they'll figure it out. It's American Rana, man. I mean, yeah, Eddie, but- Eddie Kingston's doing this um, as about as hot as Eddie Kingston's ever been. So um, they're going to have a pretty cool marquee to put together, I think. And the White Eagle is such a cool venue. It, you know, it holds like, what, four or five hundred standing? Like, legit standing? standing yeah. I think they can probably crank it up to six if need be. Oh, that first, that they- first Rana probably had about six. When they would did Janela versus Riddle, and they did the Lucha Bra- Bros versus Santana Ortiz, they had about six in there, and it was butts to nuts. <laughs> it was. The, the next year with Star and Janela in the um, barbed wire match, that was probably like 550. Um, and that got... That got pretty tight when they pushed the barricades back to keep people away from the barbed wire, but there was a little bit more breathing room there for sure. Yeah, do not use the. Ba- uh, we do not implore you to use the bathroom on these nights. <laughs> yeah, and definitely. Um, yeah, I mean it's not really the tight August at the White Eagle. That's not really a time you want to be pressed up against 550 other wrestling fans. But hey, yeah. uh, I hey, go- you know, have a couple drinks, enjoy yourself. And- Try not to get hit with a flailing ladder or whatever it'll be. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I think this is it for episode one, man. Eller, thank you for jumping in and joining us for the portion of this. Uh, you, you killed the WWE report, and I appreciate that. Absolutely. I was happy to be here. Um, again, good luck to your Celtics. And I hope uh, when this airs, we're prepping for game seven. You're welcome back anytime. Uh, you passed the assignment. Rocco. Killed it on the Dream Team, and your Rocco rambling nonsense was, mm-hmm. was up to par, buddy. And Rossi, Rossi killed the Indies as usual. So, guys, I thank you very much. And I guess we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>